What does it mean to be tough? Is it our ability to endure physical pain? Or is it more of a mental challenge? Is it our ability to channel emotional pain and prevent it from crippling our movements as we attempt to progress through life? Is it our ability to distribute pain without being afflicted by the burden we are placing on others? Or is it simply our ability to be the light in the darkest of nights? It is a woman from Limerick whose life answers these questions for us. This is her story. In 1890, in the small Limerick village of Galbali, a child was born. Her name was Angela Fitzgerald. Angela was the daughter of Walter and Julia Fitzgerald, both national school teachers. In her early years, growing up under the shadow of the Galtee Mountains, which ruled the skies of the Limerick and Tipperary border, Angela was taught a number of important life lessons by her parents. Angela had six siblings. Willie, John, Innocent, Walter, Nora, Madge and Kitty. Very sadly, after a brief five weeks on this earth, little Walter passed away. As Angela and her siblings grew, they were taught the gifts of generosity, kindness and the joys of life. When Angela turned just 10 years old, she learned a new lesson from her parents. The lesson was not one which they had intended her to learn, nor did they wish her to. At the age of just 10 years old, Angela learned of grief, loss and hardship. Her beloved and dear father Walter contracted typhoid fever from the workhouse in nearby Mitchellstown and like many others of his generation, once the disease of the poor set in, his journey in this world was brought to an abrupt end. Angela's mother, Julia, powered on best she could, raising her family on her own with only the income of a single parent. Times were tough, but Angela kept on keeping on. She continued with her studies in school and worked hard. She enjoyed learning new things and felt that perhaps a career in education might be the one for her once her schooling comes to an end. Four years after the passing of her father, Azrael, the Angel of the Dead, visited Angela's home for the third time. On this occasion, Azrael was tasked with separating Angela's mother's soul from her body. 
Julia had passed away from pneumonia in their home at the age of just 42. Orphaned and alone, Angela and her siblings faced the potential fate of the other orphans of Ireland. The risk being that they be taken and separated in the church-run homes for the orphans. The further risk being who they might meet in these homes once separated and the potential of what might happen to them. Thankfully, Julia had a sister, Mary O'Flynn, who had left for Canada years before the passing of her sister. When she heard the news of her now orphaned nieces and nephews, she abandoned her hopes, dreams and plans across the Atlantic and returned to Old Ireland to raise them. She gave up her own life's ambitions to ensure that Angela and her siblings had the chance to begin theirs. Angela continued with her education and, at the age of 20, she achieved her ambition of becoming a teacher, like her parents. As Angela taught in nearby schools, she began to get a burning feeling that her life was destined for more. She did not quite understand what the feeling meant. She began to become more and more drawn to the Word of God and found herself on a journey of spirituality. As this feeling grew, in Mill Street, Cork, a woman walked the streets called Mother Saint Beatrice Foley. Scalefadagher Mother Beatrice was from an order that had begun life in France. It was called the Infant Jesus Sisters. The Infant Jesus Sisters had a single goal in life. They were dedicated to the education and the training of underprivileged schoolchildren. In 1909, Mother Beatrice had returned from years working in Singapore. She settled in Mill Street and established the Drishan Convent. The convent provided a number of roles in the community. It helped with the education of those struggling at school and who were struggling with the finances of life. They provided training for the children so that should their educations not progress to further levels of structure, they may perhaps be able to seek a trade or be employable in other ways. They also taught life skills and opened a knitting school for younger girls. This allowed the families of the younger girls to save money on clothes and in later life the girls would be able to work on factory floors or in textiles. Those who chose to accept the religious life were trained by the convent in order to complete missions of the church in Asia and to spread the word of Christianity. 
Angela happened upon the convent and understood this was what the feeling inside her was driving her towards, a life of prayer. She was part of one of the first groups to begin to train as sisters of the church in the convent. Angela took her holy vows in 1919 and chose the name Sister Enda. As a newly qualified sister, Angela was sent to the missions of Yokohama south of Tokyo, Japan. Japan was once a nation closed off to the changing world in order to protect its culture. It had feared, banished and persecuted the Christian missionaries who had come from lands far away to infect Japan with their ideas which led to the enslavement of the poor in order to conquer their lands. Angela did not meet such a hostility. When she arrived in Japan, her kind nature and ability to empathise led the local people to welcome Angela with open arms to their world. She became a renowned teacher of the English language and also developed a name as a great teacher of the piano. With her fellow Sisters of the Cloth, Angela helped to create schools and places of learning for the poor in the region. She took a particular interest in the girls of the area. She worked on teaching them new skills in order to have some form of an opportunity in life and helped them to succeed in their education. Angela and the other sisters were tasked with building upon the good work of those who had gone before them. She taught in the school the other sisters had built, which remains as Japan's oldest international school today. Life in Japan was going well and Angela loved being able to continue and better the lives of those she worked with. On September 1st, 1923, Angela was attending a morning mass in the church of their convent. As she received communion and began walking back to her seat, she felt the earth beneath her begin to shake. This was nothing Angela had ever experienced before. Upon the shaking earth, she felt the almighty power of nature. Nature which does not discriminate in its efforts to survive and adjust. Soon the shaking became a tremendous roar and no longer was the ground stable. Angela was thrown to the ground. As she began to gather herself from the fall, and as she checked to see if she was okay, she looked up to see that the roof of the church was collapsing. 
Angela covered her head with her hands and collapsed to the ground in the hope of good fortune. The entirety of the church collapsed in on her and the other 234 people who had left their homes that morning to pray in the church. Soon the shaking stopped and silence emerged. There were no screams for help, no rushing heroes to dig through the rubble of what was once a church. There was no hand to pull Angela from the rubble of the roof which lay on top of her. Angela, dazed and confused, listened to the silence. For a brief moment, she must have thought she had died. She let out a shout for help and listened for a response. There was none. Still confused as to what had happened, Angela gathered all her strength and began to lift the parts of the roof and rubble which lay on top of her. Bruised and bloodied, brick by brick, tile by tile and timber beam by timber beam, she slowly got the roof off of her. She then rose and, in the sunshine, she looked upon the rubble. Of the 235 people who stood in the church that morning, only Angela survived. It was that morning that the Great Kanto Earthquake had unleashed its fury on Japan. At the time, it was considered to be the biggest natural disaster to have ever hit Japan. In a few brief minutes, 140,000 people had died and 90% of the homes in the area were now simply rubble. Angela looked for any sign of survivors, but there was none. There was nothing left, nothing at all. All gone but for Angela. Angela and the remaining sisters who were not in the church when it fell and unharmed by the earthquake itself began the rebuild. Wounded and hurt, physically and emotionally, Angela and the others began writing letters to those of influence and power, both in the church and society. While Japan spun into strife, violence and the world of survival, Angela and the others provided the lights of hope. They managed to rebuild their school and church. They welcomed all affected by the earthquake to their sanctuary. They taught the children the skills they would need to help to rebuild their homes. They taught the adults how to find peace amongst the pain and suffering. 
Angela's name spread throughout Japan as a result of her efforts to rebuild what was lost on that horrible day. In 1938, a wealthy Japanese businessman heard of Angela's story and of how she was a great teacher of English. He requested that Angela teach his daughter the language as it would be important for her opportunities in later life. Angela agreed as he agreed to financially contribute to the efforts of the ongoing rebuild. The businessman's daughter's name was Michiko. In all this time, Angela had not returned home to Ireland. There was too much to be done to help those who suffered. One of the great joys of Angela's life, however, was letters which she received on a semi-regular basis from home. In these letters, she learned of the children of her brothers and sisters, where they lived, what they were like at school, and if they had any traits from her parents. She would often take these letters and use them to teach young Michiko how to read English. She also used the characters and the stories from home in order to construct sentences for Michiko to practice her English with. Soon she began to ask Michiko to write to her family in Ireland. It was the children of Angela's brother Innocent who Michiko wrote to, Brian, Betty and Bunny. Michiko and Angela's family swapped letters. In order to teach Michiko proper pronunciation, Angela would have Michiko repeat the phrase Brian, Betty and Bunny on the beach of Ballybunion. Brian, Betty and Bunny on the beach of Ballybunion. In between language lessons, Angela also taught Michiko how to play the piano. In later life, Michiko was to become known as a very gifted pianist. While in Japan, Angela held a British passport. The 26 counties of the south of Ireland had not yet reached their independence when she left and she was unable to return home in order to claim a new Irish passport. This lack of time to adjust paperwork and to confirm identity would prove costly for Angela and the other Irish nuns in Japan in 1942. As World War II gripped its evil claws around the earth, all those who held British passports were rounded up and sent to internment camps. Angela amongst them. Over a two-year period, Angela lived as a prisoner. 
the Japanese state took over the foreign churches and their buildings and used them as prisons. Angela spent some time in her own churches where she once helped, but now as a captive of war. With her, twelve other Irish nuns of innocence. It would take the Irish government's response to the cause of Angela's family to help with their cause. When they eventually did respond and accept responsibility for one of their own, Angela and the other nuns were issued new passports and set free. Angela returned to teaching, but often thought of home, those she loved who were far away, those she loved without meeting, those who were growing old without her nearby. Home was not an option just yet for Angela. She was bound to Japan for two reasons. One, her desire and need to help during the dark times of World War II, and two, as the war raged on, leaving was not an option as death would be a certain path. It was on the 29th of June 1945 when Angela first encountered the American forces blanket bombing campaign of Japan. As hell rained down from above, Angela and the other nuns grabbed all the children from their beds and ran for the hills. Angela, with tears streaming down her face, holding children as they cried, ran at such a speed that her shoes slipped off her feet as she ran for the safety of the nearby hills. The nuns shuttled back and forth, saving as many as they could from the raining bombs. Remarkably, they managed to save everyone in their care. Angela did not even care that her feet were covered in cuts, blood and blisters. The children were okay. As they sat in the safety of the cover of the mountain, Angela must have thought of home and the protection her village received from the great Galti Mountains. It was during that bombing campaign that Angela's church and convent were reduced to rubble once again. The effort to rebuild soon began and letters were once again written to seek support from the world. Angela sent one unique letter on this occasion however. She wrote to her dear brother Willie and sister Nora. In the letter, she described the devastation of the war and the effects of the bombing. She did not ask them for pity, nor the money to aid her cause. Angela simply asked for a pair of simple size 4 1 inch rubber heeled shoes to be sent to her, as she no longer had any shoes of her own. The following year, the war finally came to an end and blood no longer flowed where rivers once did. 
and in that year, 27 years after first leaving home, Angela returned to Ireland. Back on a holiday, she met all the people from her letters. She met the children of her brothers and sisters. She shared memories with her siblings about their lives as children, both joyous and sad. She walked the roads she walked as a child and visited the faces of her youth. Her holiday soon came to an end and, refuelled with life, Angela returned to Japan to help with the post-war rebuild. In 1972, Angela returned home again. This was the final occasion she would return to Ireland, in body at least. Seven years later, at the grand age of 90, Angela passed away. Today, she lays in rest in the Infant Jesus Cemetery in Japan. That, however, was not the last time Angela's spirit touched Ireland. In 2005, the Japanese Emperor Akihito and his wife visited Ireland on a state visit. In an interview before they left for Ireland, the Emperor's wife was asked of her knowledge of Ireland. She simply responded that her ability to play piano and her ability to speak English had come from an Irish nun who she adored the charm and loveliness of. The child Michiko was now the Empress of Japan. Today's music was written, performed and produced by myself, Ryan O'Halloran. The story was researched and scripted by Oren. If you want to help to support this podcast, you can buy us a coffee at www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash we the Irish or leave us a review on your podcast app. Ryan is an and dumb. Gaurav Mahagut, Slananish.